0: Welcome to the Art & Life Podcast, where we discuss art, life, and the philosophy behind both. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. Join me as I interview creatives of all kinds as we explore inspiration, process, and results of creative pursuits. My intention is for you, the listener, to get as much inspiration from this podcast as I do. Now let's dive into this concept we call creativity. Creativity. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos, and uh, with me today is my good friend, Mickey Kenny. Mickey Kenny's uh, a native Alaskan from Anchorage. Uh, we met back in the day, uh, probably eight or nine or ten years ago, in Fort Collins, where Mickey was getting his master's in poetry. And a mutual friend of ours connected us so that we could do a project together. Uh, It all started with an artistic collaboration. And we ended up creating a book of poetry illustrated by yours truly. And yeah, then from there, he, he started a band with my good friend Adam Fallick, who I interviewed in the first episode of this podcast. So... If you want, jump back there and check that podcast out to get a little more frame of reference as to who Wasteland Hop is. Wasteland Hop's the band that they created. Um, yeah, this is an awesome interview. We we did this at 6 a.m. Uh, in the art studio, and there's a train that goes by once or twice, and uh, it started drizzling a little bit, so you might hear that on the tin roof of the shack. Um, but other than that, I think it was a really good, good interview. We talk about, uh, poetry, about writing, the writing process, the process of being in a band and how that works and a whole bunch more. So again, I really appreciate everybody tuning in and listening, and I hope that you guys are getting as much out of this as I am, um, philosophical conversation is one of my favorite things in life and that's the intention of this podcast is to showcase that and showcase the creative the creative people that I feel blessed to interact with and you know bring that to you and and hopefully inspire creativity and action and beauty and whatever else in uh in you so Uh, Thanks again. Definitely subscribe to the podcast and uh, share it out with your friends, anyone who you think is creative, who might enjoy this in any way. And uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. So without further ado, Mickey Kenny. Welcome to the art and life podcast. I'm your host Taylor Gallegos. Uh, We're doing an early morning session here because I've got my friend Mickey Kenny. Uh, He's the MC from Wasteland Hop. You guys heard Adam talk at the beginning of this whole podcast series. And uh, yeah, now we have Mickey and he's visiting from Alaska right now uh, on a little vacation. So yeah, I had to get him in here. It's like 6 in the morning right now.
1: Yeah, and I, I didn't know if I'd uh, do it. I was going to kind of see what happened in the morning. And as it so happens, woke up naturally like 5.50. One of those moments like look at the clock, had no idea of time. It's like 5.50. That's, that's probably a sign. Like, I'm up. I feel good. Let's make it happen. Let's do this.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, why don't we start out, Mickey, by you just telling everyone uh, who you are, where you come from, how you got to where you're at.
1: Yeah. Um, who I am, uh, in terms of, like, being you know, on this podcast for art's sake, um, in terms of me being an artist, writer, uh, grew up in Alaska, obsessed with hip-hop since a very young age. I had an older cousin from Seattle who'd come up, visit, at that point he shown me, you know, Snoop Dogg, Bone Thugs, and that type of music wasn't really circulating around Alaska, or at least not in my age group at all, um. And something about it just clicked with me and it's it's been clicking ever since. Started kinda like jokingly writing raps in high school once I went to college. Um, kinda that interest in hip hop translated to slam poetry and I was kinda like right at the age and in a good environment at the time, since I was in Washington around Seattle, where I could start like actually trying slam poetry and I think that was kind of my first real like intimate Um, kind of discovery of poetry and like what it is to be a writer because no longer just receiving for the first time I felt confident enough to like be a sender of an art form as well so did that that also was getting coupled with doing hip-hop ended up going to grad school for poetry and unlike the other students at the time my history was not page poetry it was like oral Um, so that was a very big change for me but a, a really good one I um, kind of got my ass kicked in those classes because um, they assumed I knew a lot more than I actually <laughs> did. Because um, you came from a completely completely different. <laughs> you know, I just came from sonic authenticity. Like, you know, the, the the sound of language and the texture was of the utmost importance. Like, obviously in Sam poetry or any type of like sonic poetry, meaning does have like value and is a part of the essence. But if it doesn't sound good. You know, there's, there's no point. Um, and that's just not the necessary truth of, of page poetry. So that kind of, like, forced me to challenge, you know, a certain voice of myself that I had, um, I think, in good ways. And then after that, um, yes, kind of, we formed through you, actually, uh, Wasteland Hop, and developed kind of this live, live band in Fort Collins. And we've been going for, I think, eight years now. I'm almost a decade, which we should do like a cool like decade thing. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah, like real cool. Yeah, gotta plan that out.
0: Yeah, it was cool. Uh, so I was living in Fort Collins and I played soccer with one Ben Mayer, who was uh, a childhood friend of Mickey's. and yeah, we played on the CSU soccer team together. and then when Mickey was doing his master's in poetry, he had a, a poetry book called Lie in Hinge. Uh, which was a really fun little project and he needed an artist to illustrate this book. And so then Ben connected us and that was our first collaboration. And that was fun cause we didn't know each other at all. And yeah, like looking back now, like we know each other so well and we've collaborated so many times. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was the first.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a, it's a good first. <laughs> it was sweet. We sold a bunch of books. Yeah. Like, I mean, you sold them. <laughs> you, yeah. You did yeah. a good job selling them. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was that was a beautiful project and uh it was like a three-part three-part story um yeah that's awesome and it's cool to think that bone thugs and like those guys were like (laughs) sort of your forming because that's like in middle school that's who kind of formed my hip-hop yeah understanding i'm sure like our generation kind of
1: everywhere yeah well have you thought about bone thugs recently like every so often i think about like how special it is that like they all met each other Dude, those like harmonies there still hasn't been anything like it right like i don't even get how that happened <laughs> like <Right>. cleveland ohio <laughs> like was like a hardcore rap element,
0: yeah but it was this like beautiful harmonic yeah thing, rapping about a lot of guns <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what are the chances <laughs> i think that that's real no they were great though <laughs> Um yeah, so what was your, I mean, so you got your ass kicked with uh, learning all that stuff, kind of got mm-hmm. thrown in the deep end. What was yeah. that What was that like? I mean, it seems like you, you found your way to the top.
1: Yeah, found my way. Um, cool. You know, luckily, I'm just my personality type. I don't, I don't come equipped with a lot of, like, I don't have a lot of embarrassment. Like, I can tell What's the difference between, you know, people, when just in conversation, it sounds like people are a little bit more hesitant to do certain things, because they have a lot of self-consciousness, and luckily, you know, have you see my Crocs, I, uh, <laughs> I just don't have much of that, which uh, helped me in that situation, because, um, yeah, it was intimidating, um, I came, like, my undergrad was philosophy, and I was interested in, like, the perspective of poetry, like, being able to, like, dwell and to think in those regards, like, I knew and still know there's, like, there's something else in this life than kind of like the structured manufactured experience and poetry was a really good way to like assert that to myself like yeah there's people that like think and they think at like a high level and yeah it was a three-year program probably the the first year was just trying to acquaint myself with like the language and um you know we had three main professors and each one thought similar enough but also distinctly different and yeah that first year is just training me like how to think like really um the next two years I finally got to a spot where you know I was able to like receive a little bit more specifics on like okay this is like what the the act of poetry is and um a part of that like anything is just learning the history getting the references um knowing kind of like the icons and why they're considered iconic and you know, it was, yeah, three to four years, but it's been, like, five years since. And, man, I feel like I need to do it again. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I definitely feel like right now, um, after this, like, most recent experience, like, is a time to, like, get back into poetry. Not just, like, say, like, oh, yeah, I write poetry. Because if I really, like, put a harsh mirror on myself, like, first you're moving out of the village, um, I was writing a lot since then it's it's been hard to find energy um tell people
0: about your uh your village experience
1: yeah so even we did the introduce ourselves at the sound you know what it was sound therapy sound bowl sound bowl session over at i don't know what i said i started talking about the village like oh the village need a reset it's like these people probably have no idea what i mean when i'm saying like the village has been rough um yeah. So the past. They felt it though. <laughs> yeah, this guy needs. They, they can feel it. <laughs> Whatever village you're in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't bring that village in here. <laughs> Wipe that off your feet. Uh, yeah. So I've been. This is my fourth year, or has been my fourth year. I'm gonna start speaking in the past because I'm, I'm there. I got it. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. Well. For now. We got to May. Like I'm, Yeah. I still have more time, but did it. Um, yeah. Past four years, I've been. Uh, out living and teaching and we just in Alaska is just you said the village and that kind of refers to like all rural bush communities which usually means like off the road system um if you're not familiar with Alaska you pretty much have like Anchorage and Fairbanks as the two like main cities um you have some secondary cities and then everything else um huge um, amount of space we're talking about you know and those are where the the villages are those are the historical, cultural um, kind of like epicenters of a lot of America. Um, but yeah, I've been in the interior, which is Athabaskan. Uh, first years, it was a fly-in only village, um, population about two, 250. And then the last two years, I've been in uh, Minto, Alaska population like 110. In the region of Alaska, it's in is, it's just really harsh. Um, and it's actually, you know, being on an art podcast, It's it's been really good to think about in terms of what the role of art in society is or, like, any, like, grouping of individuals. Because where we are right now, it's it's just barren. Like, these people were hunters, trappers. And that's almost, like, the extent of it. In terms of, like, societal products, economies, like, it was not a lot of resources that came with their territory so they're incredibly gifted at finding resources in places where they aren't and surviving and on top of that you add it's the cold Um, it's just unforgiving and then you know you look at other um, kind of regions and cultures in Alaska especially where like there were abundance of resources like salmon and lumber and you know that's where you get like the totem poles and you see a lot more Um, cultural, like, relics of of art. So it was really interesting as someone who, like, I was, I went to grad school for poetry. I mean, that's, like, hyper. Like, that's, at least to me, like, show, like, okay, I want art to exist in my mind at the forefront and to have that experience and then go to an environment where it is a literal struggle to find any forms of, like, art, like, things being created just for the aesthetic experience of it because there's not time, you know. <laughs> it's like if you're doing that, like, why aren't you, like, whittling an axe to, like, go get necessary wood, you know. it's um, So it's been a big contrast, and that's the, the experience I was referring to at the village. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting
0: perspective that, uh, you know, to have art exist, you need to have the bases covered. Yeah. And when you're just, like, in a really challenging survival mode, it's like, you could die tomorrow. Yeah. So you better make sure that you're prepared so that you don't.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, I I still... Actually, I, I don't know anymore, like, if I can say this with, like, you know, confidence. But at the time, before going out there, like, it was a thought I had, and I... And I think we all, like, if we consider ourselves, like, of artistic merit, we want to think, like, oh, it's it's it is necessary. Like, I would not be like living or I wouldn't be living as myself without art and society also like we need art like it provides these values and I still hold that to be true but I like confidently held it to be true and then going out to you know these villages or like these regions where you really have to put that to the test and it's like okay I, as much as I like want and I want that to be true at the end of the day like we can imagine scenarios in which you simply don't have time reflection meditation or resources i mean you can think artistically but i don't know it just kind of like made me realize like not to take for granted one's ability not just like because of artistic skills but because of environmental pressures like if you're in a position where you're making art to like truly honor that space because it It is a gift because some people really aren't in that position.
0: Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of uh, a documentary of Tupac that I watched, where he was talking about time that he had in prison, and he before that he when he was going in he was like really high on his own horse, thinking that he was like hot shit that his rapping was like just flowing so well. He's like, I'm gonna go to prison for a couple years and I'm gonna write like three new albums and he went in and he said that he didn't write anything Hmm. the entire time he's like i was not in a good place Hmm. and without that it's like it just didn't work i mean it does work differently for other people like lil wayne sounds like he (laughs) has done a lot when he was in prison and where is he these
1: days? Is he still
0: making music? I think he's making a ton of music. Yeah. Like that—that's the last thing I heard. Is like yeah, he's he's one of the most prolific. Yeah, it's insane. Guys out there. Yeah, since he was like fifteen.
1: Yeah. It's, it's incredible.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting, and like the common perception of the of the artist—a a big vision. The, the common thought is like the tortured artist, and mm. the, like that is like. The muse that people really use to like create a bunch but yeah yeah I mean I guess I, I feel a lot better when I'm calm and centered when you know my art just flows a lot better I feel like I can sit still and do it I mean um yeah if I have like negative energy or energy is built up in a bad way or or life is stressful and crazy I'm, I'm focused on like getting shit done Or, like, there's, like, a lot of, like, physical kinetic energy in me that I need to get out physically.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. But it it definitely
1: doesn't come out on a
0: canvas very
1: well. Yeah, it's kind of like, if you're really in that, like, dire straits moment, it's like, you're not going to, like, paint a fish, you're going to, like, eat the fish, because you need to, like, eat. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then maybe you can, like, paint the fish from memory. Like, maybe that's, like, one of the roles of art. When you're in environments like that, more of, like, a reflective device. Right.
0: Yeah, and then if you look back on history at some of the really big art times, you know, for visual art, there's a lot of, like, productivity when societies are, like, when they're going big, Mm. you know, like, um, I don't know, different times in the U.S., different times in France and in Italy, and it's, like, art the artists are a reflection of the, the times and how things are going and how life is set up. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about, like, Mickey the writer, like, what what your process is and, like, what your flow
1: is. Yeah.
0: I, yeah, like, the, the development of a project or a poem or...
1: Yeah, yeah, for me... Um you know it's it's kind of been like the easiest phrase for it is you know page or stage and that's kind of been my my writing life the past decade referring to like okay is this going to be like hip-hop slam poetry or is this going to it solely exist like on the page and for me it, it usually begins with like an interest in like a phrase um, some sort of like phrasing like the texture of a line I, I'm not the type of artist who has like oh, I need to say something, and then what voice do I say it? It's more of like um, something kind of comes to me, and I like just the feeling of it, and it's usually a pretty small phrase. We're talking like five, eight words, and there's just something that kind of like resonates with it. Um, used to be like pen and pad, but honestly, it's switched to laptop. And I think for me, one of the main reasons was writing hip-hop like for a while i was writing a ton of hip-hop and i just couldn't like write fast enough with the pencil Mm. and so on the laptop like i could actually like keep up you know i could almost just like freestyle and type at the same time and um i really once i like okayed it with myself because i felt and this is like a decade ago when like laptops weren't just so commonplace but it felt like i was like cheating or it just didn't feel like how can i be a writer if i'm like using a MacBook. It was, like, authentic. Yeah. Yeah, because like, he pictured you know, the writer, and it's like, no, pen or pencil, but before that, it was, you know, quill. Like, he's, you know, <laughs> revolution, the writer probably, and he's like, okay, it's okay that I use this new instrument. Um, so, yeah, so for me, I'll, I'll open up, like, like, five to seven different Microsoft documents at the same time, and I'll take that same phrase, and I'll kind of, like, unfold Flesh it, um, and like each document will kind of take that onto a different adventure, and I'll be working on them all kind of simultaneously. And one will feel um, more sonically oriented, and then I'll kind of be like the hip hop. Like okay, if this phrase um, grows and gets old, it's going to be wearing you know hip hop clothes. Here's a version of the phrase. If it stays in more of like a meditative space, um, maybe it's. I don't do a lot of fiction, but I do do, like, creative nonfiction and poetry, which are also two different tracks, go in similar places but are different. And so I'd I'd say, like, a couple hours later, a couple days, like, I'll have five, seven options. And at that point, I can usually, like, just have some sort of, like, connection with one that's, you know, more powerful for me. And at that point, I'll usually just commit and kind of like see it through may take you know and i'm not the type of writer that or artist i don't know i don't feel like a lot of my stuff is completed i think with like waistline hop it's a lot easier to point to like oh that verse is done because there's a recording of it right um and maybe if i like published more i'd have that same feeling with the poems but like you know the poems i've been writing the past decade a lot of them i've you know, they're still unpublished and they am still like thinking they're alive in these like documents that I'm referring to. Like, they're still, you know, I got hard drives full of like phrases turning into different things and just like knowing that they're there. You know, I still participate with them. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's my overall process is kind of creating a lot of options at the beginning. But once I have to like, or not have to, but once I choose whether page or stage, you know, it, it has a specific energy. Um, I think the two things commingle a lot, but if it's gonna be orally experienced, like I'm gonna write it different than if it's not. And so I kind of want to address it at the beginning to know for myself which one it's gonna be. If it's gonna be orally presented, do you um, like
0: play it in your head more? Or do you, like, say it out loud as you're developing it? Does it become, like, does it start on the computer and then, like, grow into the oral element? Yeah. Or is it, like, do you keep developing it on the computer, and then when you're done, then you're, like, okay, now I'm ready to orally do this?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I definitely think, like, it becomes, I'm, I'm starting to put the oral training wheels on it at the very beginning. So I'm definitely a writer who's, like, talking to myself a lot. Like, if I'm typing and I like think a crazy person. Yeah crazy perfect that's why i'm in the village people <laughs> can't call me crazy at a cafe <laughs> right in the kitchen right <laughs> um but yeah i'll usually have i don't like to write in silence like i usually have you know background sounds I'm just kind of treat it like white noise um but that does i think come through the writing so like if it's going to be hip-hop like you know instrumentals on all all day if it's going to be page It's not going to be anything with like a four four like a structured beat because I don't want that rhythm to sneak in. Um, Yeah, and so I'll be typing, writing, maybe stop for a day, work on like memorization. Um, For me, that's a really important part of slam or hip hop. So I start doing that at the beginning rather than like write it all out and then memorize it. I'm trying to like go with it, pause, get that memorized, and continue it. Um, Because I think if you, like, memorize it, it's a little bit easier to see, like, it's truer nature. Because, like, if you memorize it, like, you do it in such a way that, like, it's telling you how it wants to be, like, said. Like, it tells you the rhythm. And then from that, I feel like it's easier to continue the, like, verse. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I feel like, uh, like, paintings sometimes, like, become their own thing. And then they tell you what they, what's going to work for them. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, they become, they sort of take the reins a little bit. Yeah. And how do you list, like, what's your process on that? Like, listening to it tell you the direction?
0: Um, well, I think that's, that's the part where you step back and look at it. And, like, when you're making a painting, it's really important to step back and take time where you're just the viewer. Like... You're the action element as a painter, and then you need to step back and then, like, listen to it. So then it sort of becomes a conversation, and then you see, like, oh, that line is starting to develop nicely there. Why don't I, nice, like, push that? And then, you know, it, it's sort of this, like, uh, interplay relationship with it as it's going. Hmm. And I have, uh, there's two different flows of painting creativity that I've got. And one is the journey and one is the destination. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but um, the destination painting is when it's like, okay, I'm going to make this image and I'm not done until this image yeah. is created. And then the other one is like, I'm going to start with one line and I'm going to take it for a walk and yeah. see where it goes. And so like what you're talking about is like a journey yeah, creative style. Which is really cool. Do you ever do the other the other style? Where I mean, you said you really don't, but like, you know, where you're I, like I don't, I don't for say like
1: this. I think, especially for like hip hop, not at all. Like I don't have like a. I think for writing like the destination should be like a message almost like, you know that would be like a destination, for hip hop no. Most of my writing in the past couple of years has been like short nonfiction essays, and I'd say like. There is a certain like sense of a destination, like it's still um, lyrically meditative, and it's kind of like exploratory within itself. But with this like experience out in the village, you know I've been trying to deconstruct it into small essays, and I think that's been a little bit more destination. Like okay, I want to describe like this. You know, if I if I'm participating in, like trapping a wolf or something like that that I've never done before, like I'll say to myself like. Okay, There is like a destination like i want the reader to have this feeling at the end of it um but i'd say more so like more often it's kind of the first thing you're talking about is the journey yeah yeah but i think that's also like to speak candidly i think as you become more of a professional like you've been able to with your art like you probably drift more towards like the destination because you're getting like contracts or you're getting commissioned you know say like right now I'm applying for a ton of grants and that's kind of forced me into more of like a destination artist because I have to say like oh in three months I'll have a piece about this and it'll connect to that and it's going to look like this in publication and so I think like it yeah I think it's a matter of also of where you are in your career like it's probably a good thing if you're thinking a bit more of destination because that usually means like it's you're connecting with people and you're connecting with like project goals and Mm -hmm. and things like that
0: yeah Um, but then at the same time so like with my mural business it's definitely a destination type concept Um, but my long term my long term goal is to have the mural business set up and then have like have other artists hired and which i just did and, and then have them doing a lot of the the stuff there and then i can focus more of my energy towards like journey type um murals and then uh, like over time get paid for that mm-hmm. um because yeah i feel like the, the three steps of making it as an artist at least as a visual artist and maybe this applies to writers and everybody else but the first step is you need to take care of your finances from some way other than your art and then just practice but have it be a way that you can practice your art as often as possible the second level is to get paid through your craft but not for you it's like all destination it's all for somebody else it's all custom work Mm -hmm. the third level the top level is when you get paid to do whatever you do and um and so I'm kind of I'm in the second level and I'm looking to get into the third level of that
1: um if you don't mind me asking, how how do you like the idea of? Because with your murals, they're like so permanent, right? That's like a nature of like doing a mural. How do you think about like the journey? Because like a destination painting feels like more permanent, right? The journey is kind of free form, but on a mural, it's like a lot different than a canvas. Like, how do you think the people? Um, that would, like, commission that, how do they feel about, like, you know, getting, like, a journey painting rather than, like, a destination? Is just, like, utmost, like, trust in your journeys that it's, like, okay to create it into a permanent form on a structure of theirs? Like, is that, like, at all? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, I think that that you can,
0: when you develop yourself and your skill and your craft and your, your style enough uh and when you really hit your groove as like who you are as an artist and uh you find yourself based basically then I feel like people are ready to buy in like Mm -hmm. like when Picasso was at the top of his game people weren't telling him what to do they're just like yes here's a wall here's a bunch of money go for it Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of artists that I follow um on Instagram that are that are at that level where they're just like they, you, you can see their mural anywhere in the world and be like that's a kipto that's a, a mad steez whatever and so but i think that it it has to do with they have figured out the formula for their journey and then put it on top of a destination idea like mm-hmm. uh, you know so there's like an underlying structure to their creativity almost like yeah. they like build a little house structurally for their like creativity to play mm. and then it, it goes and it's do, it does its thing and people are like yeah, go for it yeah, um,
1: cool.
0: and that and I feel like my process is really a big thing that uh, is like is evident in all my paintings whether they're abstract and I don't know if other people can see it but I can see it that um, the way that I do layering and like just the process of how I do a painting, it leaves it with this feeling. And so even though, you know, one painting's a realistic painting, one painting's totally abstract. I think people that know my art can see that like, oh, that is a Gallegos. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, over the next couple of years, I'm going to be honing in on these projects of like, who am I as an artist on a mural scale? And what does that look like when I can do anything I want?
1: Yeah.
0: Um so yeah that's pretty exciting yeah
1: that's
0: great that makes sense like that so uh why don't you transition into talking about your work with wasteland hop and like you know what that what that process looks like what the growth pattern has been throughout the years you know like you guys started as just like babies in the music game and now you're you've played on you've opened with macklemore you've played on shows with all these big names. You've traveled around the world, and you got four albums that you've created. Uh, I've listened to every single one of them a million times. Yeah, gotten, I,
1: I love them. <laughs> I want more, Mickey. Uh, yeah, I think you're our, <laughs> our number one listener. I am your number one listener. Which means a lot. We appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's been... I'm just going to lock on to eight years since I said it earlier. I'm going to say we've been together eight years. Perfect. Um, yeah, it was, so we all... Kind of met each other in in Fort Collins um kind of through you in roundabout ways and you know at the time we all were like living in Fort Collins and I guess that comes into play because like right now that's that's kind of like what we're dealing with it's not all living in the, the same space um but yeah so we were we were a hard-working band and when I said like past tense I meant like at the time we all lived together extremely hard-working. Um, we would practice one to two times a week, take it very seriously. I, at the time, you know, it was always, like, my dream to, like, survive on art, and so when I kind of saw Wasteland Hop develop, like, I put it on my shoulders to kind of be, like, the manager, book the shows, promoter, um, and it was such a good experience, like, wear all those different hats, and, you know, I've always kind of had like an entrepreneurial spirit, but never had I had like um, a substance so strong to like try and transmit to people. And yeah, in terms of our development as a band, like we clicked from the first night and all of us were we were in like, let's let's try and make it happen. And we did a lot of a lot of things that we're all proud of. Like I was originally from Alaska and, you know, I was going to grad school, Fort Collins, and I'd be going back to Alaska each summer. And kind of had this idea, like, well, dang, like, let's let's try and get the band up. And at the time, like, now, there's a lot of bands doing this. Um, but, you know, seven or eight years ago, like, there weren't a lot of bands out of Alaska coming up to tour. Like, there'd be a band that, like, plays a big concert, sticks around for a few days, but then goes back to the lower 48. Um But through my friend network, like, I just had this opportunity with friends with, you know, they'd invite us to stay, lend us cars. And first couple tours, we'd go up there for, like, a month and just play every show we could. And, like, the amount of, like, bonding that, like, that provided us, I think, is kind of, like, the main reasons for our success. Like, not only were we, like, writing and creating on the road, we were up in Alaska um, experiencing just some, some... phenomenal stuff together and then on off days you know riding so it was it was all in and i think like
0: phenomenal stuff like climbing on glaciers yeah. going on river raft trips together camping out in these amazing beautiful places yeah seeing moose and grizzly bears and these like amazing landscapes it was like i mean i've been on tour with you
1: guys well you were on the first one too. i was on the yeah, first so this one was, yeah <laughs> yeah you remember that feeling oh it was
0: like i mean that was a pivotal tour in my life like yeah. that changed my life from the track I was on and it really like I mean it it awakened my
1: spirit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be who I am today without it all. No. Oh, it gave me chills. <laughs> um yeah, and so I think like with our personalities and that experience, um I mean we're obviously connected for life, like you know, it's family. But I think the reason is like one of our like our band even through, like, recently, like, you know, I've I've applied the most pressure to it by leaving, you know. Everyone else, like, they lived in Fort Collins. It was their community, where their family is, their jobs. I was kind of like the tourist. Like, I went for grad school, and I just, in, inside of myself, I knew I just needed to go to the Northwest, or more specifically to Alaska. Like, that's just where, like, I needed to be. But because of those experience, because of like going on tour and getting so close to everyone, it wasn't even like a hiccup. It was like, okay, like you need to do this. But it wasn't even a question of like, oh, is the band going to like decompose? It's like the the bond we had was so strong on that. Um, but yeah, in terms of like the beginning to, to get to that point, um, Fort Collins, we would kind of go to Denver. Fort Collins, if you don't know, like it's it's one of the best like music towns like really is it's kind of like unknown but we have such a strong community and more importantly um kind of the structure within the community like there's a lot of I don't know how to put this in a better there's a lot of money <laughs> for musicians which like Pat Stryker yeah and all the music like there's
0: little music festivals right yeah now and there's it's
1: the Fort Collins Music Association which they have this beautiful building in downtown, and like all of our musician friends have kind of like segued into professional careers. And it's like, where else do you see that? Like, you don't, um, yeah, it's really created the environment for people to thrive as, like, in the yeah. of music. And when we were coming up, um, there's this group called Spokes Buzz, uh, put it by Danny Grant, and it's pretty much like an incubator. The idea was like to take little fledgling bands and to work with them i think it was for two years um it'd be workshops it'd be like you know making connections for them with the idea of like okay here's all this talent in fort collins and there's there's talent everywhere there's like no lack of talent it's just like who you know gets who's in that lucky swing that pendulum when you know fate and luck are kind of connecting like who's going to be in that right spot and so like the sole purpose of that organization was to kind of give us information and instruction on like the business side. Like, cause a lot of times like artists and musicians, they, they have immense talent, but they don't know how to like utilize it, um, in a social way, like in terms of like creating a career out of it. Right. And so we had, I feel so grateful for just the timing of everything. Cause like through that's how we got, you know, we opened for Jurassic five at the Mish, um, which I think, like, even more so than the Macklemore and Tully B'qually, like, that show, I think, is, like, my, my pinnacle really? like, waistline Hop experience. Yeah, that was just... Uh, the Mishawaka, like, just in that was incredible, but then the fact that we, like, were the direct opener for Jurassic 5, who, you know, after, like, Bone Thugs and Snoop Dogg, like, the gangster rap, and I got into Underground, you know, it was Jurassic 5, like, oh, yeah. you know, for a decade straight. Um, so it was just such a cool experience to, like, all of a sudden be with them on stage is you know very special um but yeah yeah then as a a band we kind of like I think as anyone needs you have like this belief of what is success and how do we get there and for us it was like oh bands you go on tour you drive yourself into the ground until a label signs you then you play festivals and all of a sudden you're you're making it um which does work for some you know, I think for for us all again, like I think the band is nothing but like an extension of personalities, and we have pretty humble chill personalities and like if i didn't think this at the time, but like now in like retrospective, like you know what what was that goal we were chasing, it would have like destroyed us like if we would have happened to have found that success, like the amount of like fame that necessarily comes with that success not saying like we would have been famous but I mean like if you were to take that to the furthest degree of like okay what would that have looked like it would have destroyed us and like the family of Ways and Hop is like more important than like the business you know so I think like we hit this really nice in between like our success afforded us enough to where we could get down to Ecuador for three months did the little west coast tour continually go up to Alaska Continually have the opportunity to work with awesome studios. Um, You know, the one, it would be nice, like be able to write and record more, which is like a result of our band not having more money. And so like, obviously if we like had succeeded in the stereotypical way, we'd have like more recording, but that may come at the cost of like content. Like maybe if you are recording more and you're signed with the label, there's all these expectations can't even fathom and so i'm i'm pretty happy in terms like where we landed um i don't think we've had to compromise art yeah you have zero outside uh influence in terms of like this is what you need to do we need a hit or we need whatever and zero like conflict between band members i mean there's like personality so like you know it's always a mixture like any family but we never were like put into that like pressure cooker like Is this person, like, doing what they need to? Like, okay, who's doing that? Like, we didn't have, like, this outside external stuff come in and, like... Yeah. Except for Taylor Geigos, and he came in and just shook us and started beating us. (laughs) Other than that... Make better music. Yeah, it was pretty peaceful. (laughs) Yeah, and so that's where we we still are. Like, again, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, I'm so happy, like, we're not living together and playing shows, because there's nothing better than, like, playing shows with Waste and Hop, like, truly, but that comes with the cost, like, you know, I can be candid, like, I like to party, and it's so, like, that's kind of one thing I noticed with myself in Fort Collins that last year, and I, I stayed in Fort Collins for the band, like, you know, I was finding myself, you know, I was drinking too much, and going to shows, because, like, you feel... Like, oh, I need to, like, study, I need to, like, be friends with these, you know, everyone in the scene, so I'm getting shows and connected, and that's, it's really true. Like, the more FaceTime you have with people, the more opportunities. But that FaceTime comes with staying up late every night and going to the bar every night, and um, there's just a lot of, like, things that come with it. Right. And, you know, right now, we, we still get to play shows, but, you know, during the course of the winter... It's maybe like four or five, and then in the summer we go on tour in Alaska, and you know we triple the amount of shows. Um, but yeah, I could I would love a reality in which we have more, but it's hard to think of that same reality in which we're all living like healthy together. Right, right.
0: Yeah, finding your balance that works for everybody in terms of like a lifestyle and a healthy, just like way of life um i'd like to talk about this new album because i I mean we talked about it yesterday or two days ago at dinner and like so you guys wrote this album you wrote a lot of the content when you were in um ecuador and it was sort of a, a wild time down there but you did create this album and um everybody who's listening should go check it out it's on spotify and all the places it's called erosion osmosis you guys hired a really great artist to do the
1: uh, the cover art, <laughs> which I have all the your original uh, cover art in my house. You do is amazing. Just look yeah. around and see on Hop discography and your art. It's great. <laughs> That's awesome. But this this album, it's like
0: I, mean, I was thinking about it yesterday. It's it's got this like ethereal feel and like smokiness to it. And um, you know, I was telling you the other day that. I feel like it's your best album so far. I feel like every single song. I did too. Like, you guys have hit the groove with, like, what needs to be in a in a song in the same way that I feel like I've hit a groove in terms of what needs to be in a painting. Like, to make it a successful, completed composition, like, it needs this, 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 like, the highs, the lows, the mids, the in-betweens, and then, the, like, the final shebang. And you guys have done that. And every song is, I feel like, as good as any song that you've done before. hmm Um, and on previous albums, you had some, some peaks, some great peaks, but now this whole thing is like the Himalayas. Yeah. And, uh, I like that. Yeah. And, and it's just got such a feel to it. I feel like it's very like poetic and like, uh, it, I don't know what the word is in terms of like poetry or writing, but it's, it like puts you into the feel of the the space. It's like a. Like a period piece, you like you feel like you're there in this like otherworldly yeah. place. Why don't you talk about it a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think you know the word I use it may not be the right word. Was to me very like cinematic, like mm-hmm. you feel like you're you're watching something or you're like with something, like you're within it this whole this entire time. And part of that's intentional. Part of that was just the good fortune of uh, the songs that we happen to be creating. Um, yeah, so that you know, and this may be one of the things that, like, poetry's tried to teach me and I've tried to listen to, but the professor, like, my professors always kind of, like, emphasize, like, you know, slow art, like, I think as artists, like, we get so, like, hyper-focused on, like, the product, like, oh, I gotta do this, get finished, get, like, share it, you know, people want to share it, and in poetry, like, really, you know, it's like, No, this is, like, a timeless participation, like, since the beginning of, like, thinking. Like, (laughs) there's no rush. Like, spend your whole life on, like, a poem. You know, that's, like, taking it too far. But that's kind of the idea behind it. And I think with this album, that's kind of, like, one of the best qualities of it is, I mean, in total, took it, yeah, took us about four to five years. um, And we have, I think, six, six songs on it. And we really didn't have, like, songs that we didn't put on it, which shows, like, how, like, how much space each of those songs took up. You know, we had another album, Morph, where I think we totaled, like, 14, 15 in, like, over two years. It's nothing against those songs, but they didn't have the proper space. This one, each song, like, and they're, they're, they deserve it. Like, there are so many musicians doing specific things, and, It's kind of like a metaphor of our band it's like we each have a very distinct voice write our own parts and there's so much diversity and like sounds and influences that like you really need to be conscious of is each thing have its its room and is each thing having time to develop and these songs specifically they're all derived from us living in ecuador But we came out of Ecuador and we were still like rewriting, reworking them for years afterwards. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why like you, you think it is successful, you enjoy it because it may be like our first time where we allowed that. Um, And also, I do think like the fact of putting ourselves into such a drastically different environment, it kind of like pinched our muse in a different way. Um, for each of us and there was like a there was a struggle um, you know living each we each had our reasons why it was difficult but we all like lived close proximity and a country had never been like one of us spoke decent enough Spanish to like get along others were kind of like dependent on Nick you know like we had words and phrases here and there um, also like you know we had this whole thing lined out where you know we thought we were going to like live in a studio work with the producer and a couple days before that kind of fell through which is fine but it like symbolized like okay this like we're on the road like we're not at home we're in like ecuador and we have to hop on chicken buses we have to rent gear all of a sudden like these things we were taking for granted like you know we just pictured ourselves like doing what we do in Fort Collins, but in Ecuador, like on the coast, going up to waterfalls and volcanoes. And it's like, no, that's not true. Like you're on the coast, you rent gear. We left like guitars out for a day. The strings would rust. Like the amount of like salt in the air down there is insane. And the gear we're getting was, it was kind of crappy. And it's like, when we were practicing, we weren't sounding as good. Like, so there's all these things that I think really, it it made us like self-conscious because we're like, are we getting the most out of this experience? And, like, every day you wake with that, like, pressure. Like, did I, you know, my... Because we were wanting to enjoy ourselves. Like, we spent... got a really nice house at the beginning because we had been struggling. Like, we had no idea where we were living. We are like, here's this house. We have the money. It's right on the ocean. Like, let's get it. But then that comes with the pressure of, like, you know, am I creating enough art? Like, is the other person, like, are they doing the same thing like and it kind of put us into this position we had never been before as as a group of individuals and at the time none of us knew if it was succeeding it's like well, crap did we like waste three months and a lot of money to do this but now you know five years later we have this album and all those songs come from that and it just took them a long time to like develop and to like show themselves and now we are kind of like okay it was worth it you know but that was, like, a guarantee of thinking it would be be worth it.
0: And it, Yeah, it was such a challenge for you guys. And and really, it, it took a lot of the wind out of your sails. You guys were on the yeah. up and up. Like, your trajectory was going up. Yeah. And then that definitely
1: was a crash and
0: burn. Like, your boat yeah.
1: caught on fire at that point. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say, like, in regards to, like, chasing what success is as, like, a band. Because, like, before that, it was, like, you know, we were even more, we were closer to going on tour, getting signs, like, you know, that was definitely our route. And I think after that experience, you know, I don't think, like, the ship of artistic merit took any damage. Like, I think it got stronger. But we definitely came out of that, and, like, soon after, I was like, "Uh, I need to go to Alaska, you know. And it was, like... I think it put like a actually I don't I don't know I'm trying to think of like the best analogy of it but you're right like that ship that we had you know we okay here's a good analogy I want to go with I forget the name of it it's like this philosophical paradox where it's like if you replace every part of the ship is the ship does it still have the same name like at what point do you have to change the name of the ship is it like 80% of the wood is replaced or like and we had to replace all like the wood on wasteland hop and the wasteland hop boat was going to a certain destination. We replaced all the wood. Ecuador like burned a lot of the wood and like we put it back together and like, ah, actually we're going to this destination still wasteland hop. But yeah, we felt and looked a lot different after that. Yeah. Oh,
0: the wasteland hop boat is a beautiful one. Um, yeah i still love it we all love it it's just like i feel like you you've called it a uh like a a beautiful monster or something like that before like on tour it's just this like blob of wild (laughs) fun beauty craziness it's cool i feel like it makes me understand you know like what bands were like back in the day in like the 70s you know the grateful dead Hmm. for example like they have this community around them like they would come into town and like just turn the town upside down and everything would go wild and you guys had that effect in you have that effect in Alaska yeah and, and in different places and it's like which that may
1: like ruined our trajectory too because it's so addictive it's like why would we go play and we did a couple like Midwest tours which right you know bands need to do like you need to say you know, have a following here here sell tickets and that we played this venue but we went to Alaska and found these crazy people that like, you know, shows don't end there. It's three A. M. and it's still light out and like, oh what do you go, go on a hike? Wanna go party? And it's like, Oh my god. Yeah. And then it's just like, why would we ever not have this as our goal? Like, let's just come back to Alaska. Right. Which is a horrible business decision.
0: <laughs> like Well but it develop- pays well and it's it makes sense.
1: It, it pays well but it never like it, it doesn't extend your market yeah. like in a feasible sense but it in developing like super fans and super friends it's perfect because we have like again people would consider like our family just because yeah. we see them at our shows every summer and we're in this like heightened state of euphoria together because it's Alaska and but yeah it is like yeah I love the blob
0: the blob's great yeah um okay now we're getting down to close to the end of it um so I want to Switch it and uh, go to the, the big question. What's your definition
1: of art? Um, I I think like for me, like I have to make a choice right now. Like, do I think objectively or subjective? Like I tend to think, art is definitely in the eye of the beholder. It's it's subjective experience. What's art to you may not be art to me and that says nothing about the object that we're both viewing or experiencing more. So it says like the mind state that's perceiving it. But if you put pressure on that, like that leads to a lot of things like not existing. So I don't know, (laughs) like there is like objective, like aesthetic that makes it easier for multiple minds to like perceive as art. Um, But yeah, I guess I'd have to err on the side of like art being an experience rather than an object, like, art is not within any object, it's simply in, like, the, the perceiver of it. And I think how that person perceives it, you know, for me, a big influence in my life was Wassily uh, Kandinsky the in the spirit of art. And the idea of everything's just a mixture of, like, form and content. And for him, i'm gonna like butcher how beautiful everything he says is but it's all about like harmony and it's like is the form in harmony with the content and that's like the goal of every piece of art it's not to oh i have this really powerful message or lesson and or i have this like beautiful colorscape. it's does the content of what's inside it is it in harmony with the color are the two things like working and that's even like a degrading word but are they like harmony so I think for me I know that's my goal when creating art is to have like the feel the language the rhythm and for all those things to like accentuate what it is that's being said like I really want to be like conscious of that so that's kind of like what I look for when I'm trying to find art is like are those two things in in harmony? What about you? That's really great. I really like that. I mean what that
0: brings up is uh like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there, does it make a sound? It's mm-hmm. like if art is if art exists but nobody's there consciously to appreciate it, does it yeah. Does it make an impact? Does it even exist? And it kind of goes back to the the perspective of the person like you know what we were talking about at the beginning of like are you in the mindset for art or not like a, a, a society like when the world's at war does art exist that sort of a thing and um, yeah it's just a kind of a beautiful way to like zoom out and look at humanity in general um, and like we have these like heightened states of understanding and perception and then we also can fall into like frenzy and mania,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when that happens, it just like completely goes away, which I feel like is one one of the biggest arguments about why we need to have these structures in place to like safeguard humanity yeah. and like keep ourselves afloat because there's so much beauty that can happen. Like art is a garden that happens when you tend it, but if we don't tend our garden and the whole place gets destroyed, then art doesn't exist. Yeah. and it's like the highest level it's it's like the flower that blooms when the stalk and the stem of the plant has done it's thing and the root is good and the dirt and soil is good and the sun is um, repetitive It's <laughs>
1: the sun is repetitive
0: <laughs> yeah I mean well if it's blotted out by like smoke from bombs yeah you know like there's, flowers aren't gonna grow
1: yeah um uh, you You don't don't have a uh sorry go ahead i was gonna say and then like to extend that like does that flower you know in terms of like the the purpose of it like what is it's you know if, if it's just like a visual experience for a passerby is that enough or does it need to like provide a nectar that like then gets transmitted or offers like you know life to something else like i just wonder like you know, and I think it's like a continuation of what we were saying like arts for art's sake like does that flower just bloom and like maybe someone sees it or does it have like a very distinct purpose and like how visceral is that purpose like need to be like this a perceiver need to like use it like or, does it need a function yeah yeah function that's a really good word for all this
0: I don't I mean I don't think so and that's where it's like the like Art is the, like, farthest out extension. Like, you don't need art. We don't need art to survive, technically. But, like, what is life without flowers blooming in the spring? Yeah. You know? I, don't know.
1: I haven't seen flowers for months. Yeah, since what, is, got is, what is your life? You guys got flowers here? <laughs> yeah, we got flowers everywhere. It's fucking great. We <laughs> <You> got beaches. <laughs> oh, we could cuss this whole time, dude? Yeah, we can swear. <laughs> I got students, you know. Yeah. Um, well, morning.
0: we're getting down to it, so... Uh, I want to acknowledge you, Mickey. It's been a real pleasure working with you on all these different collaborative projects throughout time. I, uh, I think that you're... the art that you create is some of the most beautiful stuff that I've ever personally interacted with. And um, it's one of those things that, like, as I listen more, more shows itself to me. Mm. And, like, the, it allows me to get deeper and deeper into it. So, like, I really encourage everybody... To listen to wasteland hop and like listen to songs over and over again because they really start to like open up more and like um your your rhymes are really fast a lot of times so it's like <laughs> hard to hard to
1: even hear it yeah but i want to get no on spotify like when i listen to some music like have you ever had it where the lyrics just like are popping up for you yeah you'd figure out how that happens because that'd be sweet yeah that would be great oftentimes that's the issue like we have so many live instrumentation and then i rap pretty fast especially at a live show like people just you know right lyrics are important to us but they are hard and we kind of acknowledge that and it'd be nice to make it easier right um it looks as though
0: yeah this is going to cut out here in a second why don't we just cut it out and then i'll uh i'll put it in the notes for who who you should who people So that was Mickey Kenny of Wasteland Hop, lead MC, one of the originators of the band, uh, master of poetry, and native Alaskan. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. He's he's a blast to talk with. We could, we probably could have talked for about four hours and uh, never gone in the same circles twice. It was, it was really cool. But Hopefully I'll get to have him on again at some point. And in the meantime, if you ever want to reach out to him, you can <clears throat> reach out to him at WastelandHop on Instagram. And you can go to WastelandHop.com and email him through that. <clears throat> he loves to talk poetry. He loves to talk philosophy, as you can see. And he's got a really cool perspective on things, which is always interesting. And another fun thing about Mickey is that he can just... He also has the ability to joke around and uh, be goofy like nobody else. So he's not all high and mighty, uh, (laughs) master's degree holding, uh, where he's like too good for things. He's also just a salt-of-the-earth type of dude, type of people that come out of Alaska. Uh, If you ever get to go up there, definitely go for it because it's amazing and it's beautiful and magical and um, it's definitely the final frontier of the united states and yeah on that note um i'm taylor gallegos you can follow me uh find me on instagram at taylor gallegos fine art and what else you can check out my murals at taylorgmurals.com and reach out say hi let me know what you think of the podcast definitely share this out to anybody that you think is uh who you think would enjoy it in any way anyone who's creative who who's an artist of any kind who's going after any sort of creative endeavor in their life I listen to podcasts when I create art, when I'm painting, so I'm just constantly absorbing content and I love it. And, uh, yeah, that was one intention of making this podcast is that it would be something that you would listening, listen to while you're creating and, uh, it would help with the, your inspiration and, you know, that takes a lot of hours to make good art sometimes. And, uh, sometimes it's really nice to just be soaking up information and ideas and inspiration while you're doing it. So, I hope that this is that for you. And yeah, on that note, hope you go out and do something creative today. Cheers.